All right, everybody doing good okay today? Yeah, man, wasn't that great worship? Golly, it was good. It was so good. And uh, man, I loved uh, just being able to, uh, like I said, just sing songs back to God. There's just something powerful about that. It moves me. And whenever we uh, make some of the proclamations that we make in those lyrics, uh, it just stirs in your spirit, man. You just need that. Hey, uh, if y'all, I know y'all have already welcomed everybody online. If y'all would welcome them one more time, just give them a round of applause. And I want to ask if you're watching online, if you would, I want you to do something different today. If you would, I want you to uh, message, do, go to uh, My Journey Church uh, Welcome or whatever, My Welcome at, uh, at 94,000, I think it is. But I want, if you would, to let us know where you're watching from because every week I keep hearing about different places, Nicaragua, South Africa, all over. But we want to kind of know where all this message is going out. And I, I just think it's kind of cool. So if you guys would just say, hey, just you can get on the comment board on the online or whatever and let us know where you're watching from. Some of you may be watching from the lake, the beach, whatever. I don't care, but just let us know where you're watching it from. And so, uh, we're trying to get our ducks in a row. We're going to, you got a lot going on around here. We're trying to plan and make room for people. And, uh, and so one of our campuses already is our online service. We know that. And so we are thankful for those that watch. And there every week it seems like there's decisions made online. So we're glad that God is using even that to reach people and to reach that one more. And so, hey, we've been talking about ducks in a row. And uh, so I'm going to go through some of what I covered last week. But some of you guys may not have been here. Some of you guys may not have been online. And uh, so we're going to hit it again. But we're just going to kind of kind of move through it kind of quick. So again, you're going to have to listen quick. I got a lot of ground to cover. So it says to get everything properly organized, ready and prepared. That's what get your ducks in a row means. You're getting ready for something. You're kind of getting prepared. We've talked about getting ready for school, and sometimes we, you know, we just got to get ready for life, right? Uh, some of you guys, maybe you take Sunday night, and you say, hey, listen, you know what? We're going to get together. We're going to kind of get our week planned out. Or, you know, maybe you're uh, one of those healthy people that you plan out your meals, and you do meal prep on Sunday night so that you eat right all through the week or something like that. But it's getting your ducks in a row. It's kind of getting back into a healthy rhythm or a healthy routine uh, for your family. And so sometimes we have to really work at that, and I think this is a good time of the year to work, work on that. Priorities, you know, priorities kind of helps you getting your ducks in a row. You're going, hey, listen, what is most important? You kind of figure that out, right? And so that's what a priority is. It's the quality or state of coming before another in time or importance. And so one of the questions we asked last week is what's most important to you, right? Y'all remember that? So we asked that. So I want, I, want, I want you guys to know that you can actually, you can look on your phone and you can go to a setting and it will tell you how much FaceTime you spend on your phone. And if you're wondering what's important to you, that might reveal what is really important to you. Is it your phone? Is it your, you know, social? It'll even tell you what you spent your time on. Y'all realize that? Does anybody know that? And so uh, I want you all to take out your phone and do that right, real quick. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Because you'll come under conviction real quick and you'll go, you know what? I'm not sure that should be that much time on screen time with my phone. And so, but we have to ask ourselves that. So we can look at our phone and we can see how much time we're spending there. And it'll, it'll reveal to us that it's really, really important to us. Or we'll say, you know what? Hey, it's not the most important thing. The other place you can look is your checkbook. You pull out your checkbook, you know, I don't know if you guys even use a check anymore. You know what I'm saying? Kind of, that's kind of going away. But you can go to maybe your, your uh, statement each month. And you can look at what you spend your money on. And where you spend your money, to be honest with you, is a pretty good indicator of what's really important to you. You can say whatever. You know, we said it last week. You can say, hey, man, Jesus is the most important thing in my life. But it doesn't always look like that when we look at how we spend our time, how we spend our money, you know, and what we do with what we've been given. And so the question is, is, hey, let me look at some of the indicators that really tell me where I spend my time and where I spend my money. Because where those things are, that's really what's important to you. So, so what's most important to you? The other thing you would ask is, hey, what is essential? This was the other question. So what is essential? There are certain things that we need, right? We need food, water, breath. We know we need oxygen. Uh, we need sleep. 
If you've ever been around somebody that didn't sleep real well the night before, you're going to like, man, they need some sleep. Some of y'all might be that way today, right? Uh, you, you did too much this weekend, didn't sleep good last night. You come in here a little cranky. You're going to get coffee. You know, maybe you were barking at people this morning on the way here. They come in, hey, man, hey, hey, pastor, how you doing? Hey, you know, whatever. And we do that, but we need sleep. We need food. We need water. And I'll just tell you this. We need Jesus. That's an essential thing. If y'all haven't figured that one out yet, that's essential. And then here's the last one, what really matters. And, and the thing I would say is this would be the things that are eternal. You know, we got to figure out, hey, what really matters? And it's those things that last forever. You know, there's some things that are fads. There's some things that, you know, uh, man, they, they go away quick, right? And then some things just won't last. I mean, rust and moth destroy, the Bible talks about that. But the things that matter should be really the eternal things. And Paul says this in Philippians as he's writing to the church here. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. And so one I would say that I think is eternal is love. And we're going to see today that, man, love just keeps coming up over and over and over. And hopefully, maybe you realize how important it is to understand how much God loves you, how much you should love Him, and how much we should love people. And so love is the word that keeps coming up over and over as we move through this. And, and so I think it's one of the things that's, uh, really ma- that really matters. Paul says, For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. I think we need to know the Word of God. I think we need to know what Jesus said. We need to uh, follow Jesus' example. And man, His example was to love people. He loved the Father and He loved people, right? So we, we line up with that. And so Jesus was clear about his priorities. We covered this last week. This is nothing new to you guys. We talked about some of his priorities. We're going to talk a little bit more about what those look like. So we talked about the greatest commandment, a teacher, uh, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses. So a religious lawyer came and wanted to ask Jesus. They're trying to trap him. You know what I mean? They're trying to, uh, you know, he had just set the Sadducees up uh, with some stuff. And they were like, man, we're not asking any more questions. This guy's like, well, I will. You know what I mean? He's got it all together. He's a lawyer. He's pretty smart. And anyway, so he comes to Jesus with this question. And uh, he thinks he's going to trap Jesus. And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the, the teacher's like, mm, okay, I mean, that's good. You know, and then Jesus says the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And so the lawyer would agree with that, you know. And so, so Jesus made it very clear, hey, this, these are priorities. You know, you need to love God with everything that's in you, every ounce of your fiber, with who you are. You know, you've got to go, hey, what I've been blessed with, you know, what I have learned to do, everything that I've got, I want to use it for God. I want to use it for his kingdom. Um, you know, every, I saw where a guy posted, yeah, I think it was yesterday or this morning, where he was talking about, he said, every talent I have, I want it used for God's kingdom. And I thought, man, what a great heart, you know. And this is a guy that's getting older in his years, but he's saying, until the day that I die, everything that I have, I want it to be used for God's kingdom. And, and so what a great, great mentality. So Jesus said to love God. I think we all get that right. We covered this last week. Jesus said to love God, and that's with everything that's in you, with your life. It's not like, hey, well, just Sunday morning, I'm going to give him about an hour. You know, if Mike goes a little bit long, maybe an hour 15 or something like that. You know, but I'm going to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to give God everything. I'm going to give him my life. I'm going to surrender everything that I have to him. I'm going to ask him to bless it so that I can bless others. I want to be a, I want to be a vessel. I want to be a conduit, if you will, of blessings to other people. But God, I'll give you my life. And I mean, I want to make a difference in the lives of people. I want to be a part of the kingdom and I want to help see the kingdom grow. And so Jesus said to love God and then to what? To love people. And so I've got to go, you know, God, I love you with all of my heart and I want to love people the way that you love them. So God, give me eyes to see people the way that you see them. 
God, give me ears to hear what's going on in their life and what their real need is. Because oftentimes what we do is we see people and go, man, I don't really like them because of what they look like. I don't like them because of the way they act or whatever. But God said, hey, you know what? I sent my son Jesus to die for them, to redeem them, to change them, to transform them. He did the same for you. He did the same for me, right? We're all broken people. We're all in need of a Savior. So Jesus said to love God and love people. And if we really love Jesus, then we love what he loves, right? And and so we love, we love Jesus and we say, man, Jesus is my everything. He is my life. I live for him. I really do want Jesus to be honored and glorified in me and through me. And so therefore, if that is really your mentality, you're going to love what he loves. And if you love people, then you're, you know what? You're loving what Jesus loves. If you love the word of God, you love what Jesus loves. If you love the kingdom of God, you love what Jesus loves. If you love the Father, you love what Jesus loves, right? You're, you're saying, you know what? I want to line up with him. And so we, we must love what he loves. If we really follow Jesus, then what's important to, us and to Jesus should be important to us. So I think it's important for us to look back and see, hey, what was important to him? You know, what mattered to Christ? What mattered to him? What was so important to him? Prayer is an obvious one, right? The time in prayer that we see that Jesus did, man, it was pretty, pretty impressive. And the, you know, the disciples were like, man, Jesus, if you don't mind, could you teach us how to pray? Because they saw that there was something special about it. There was an intimacy between him and the Father. There was power that, man, they just could not get their mind around. There was a peace that came over him. There was a, you know, there was a passion in his prayer. And they're like, man, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? They didn't say, hey, listen, will you teach us how you did that little spit and mud thing that you did and healed that guy's eyes? You know, we, would, we really want to see the power of prayer. We want to understand the power of prayer. And they had spent a lot of time around him. You know, they were, they were in community with Jesus. They, they were doing life together. And so if we really follow Jesus, then what's important to Jesus should be important to us, should be. It's not always that way, though. So Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says this, says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear, dear children. I mean, Jesus, God in flesh, right? Live a life filled with love. There's love again. And so love keeps coming up over and over and over again. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And so if we, if we really love Jesus, and if we really follow Jesus, then we love what he loves and we follow his example. We follow his model. We don't go, you know, that's not what everybody else is doing, Mike. It doesn't matter. This is what Jesus did. You know, and we've got to be get willing to say, you know what, God, help me to not follow the pattern of this world, but help me to follow the, you know, the word of God and the example that I see in Christ. And, and it's easy to say, well, I just want to kind of fit in. I want to be part of, you know, I want to be normal. You know, I want to be normal. That's what we always say. And this is normal. This is, this is God. God created us. He designed us. He knit us together. He made us, right? So this is normal. So when we follow the pattern of the world, to be honest with you, that is abnormal. That, you know, that's not following the pattern that God gave us. And so it's because it's broken. And, and that's the reason Jesus came was to redeem that. And so when we follow that, we're going, you know what? I'm, ch- I'm choosing what's broken over what is best. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, I want to line up with your word. So Jesus loves people, all people. We talked about this last week. It's not just the select. You know, even the Jewish people at times, we kind of look down on everybody else, like the Samaritans, the half-breeds, all this kind of stuff, and be like, you know what? They're not quite here where we are. So when Jesus would tell the story of the good Samaritan, they're going, what, a Samaritan? Are you kidding me? Come on, Jesus. I mean, you know, I mean, come on. I mean, I just can't even believe you're using that as an example. So it's almost like the story of the, of the Jewish boy feeding the pigs. Whenever he uses the, the, you know, the term Samaritan, they're going like, wait a minute. 
man, I was following you. I was tracking with you for a little bit, but man, you're going too far. You're asking too much. I mean, that's crazy. We're the chosen people type deal, right? And so there's this condescending, looking down on anybody else. And oftentimes we're that same way. You know, we don't live like that back then, do we? But we live like that today in our own culture. Jesus loves people, all people. We'll love certain people because of maybe they, they vote like us, they think like us, they talk like us, they dress like us. You know, we might like them a lot, but some of those weirdos, man, I don't know. You know, they really need Jesus over there. But we just don't want to share Jesus with them. And we sure to hope they don't come to our churches, right? I mean, that's kind of our mentality sometimes in this culture. And we've got to be one to say, God, help me to see people the way you see them. Help me to love all people, broken people. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I don't know about you, but everyone means what? Everyone, right? It means everyone. Those that vote different, those that look different, those that act different. So Jesus died for all people. And so we have to have our mind around that and our heart around that. And so God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, which is what we tend to do, but to save the world through him. If anybody could judge, it would be Jesus, right? He is the righteous judge. And so if anybody, but he said, hey, man, I came to redeem them. I came to redeem that which was lost. And so if we, if, if we say we follow Jesus, we love Jesus, we go, then I love what Jesus loves. So I love people. I love God. I love his word. I love prayer. And I love to reach that one. I love to go after that one. So Jesus loves his church. You know, sometimes people say, hey, Mike, I mean, I really, love, I really love your church. That's why it's not my church. It's not. It's Jesus' church, right? Or they'll say, hey, I like how your church is doing this. And I'll say, hey, it's, it's our church family. We're, we're in this together. You know, and some of them will even be going here and they say, man, what I like about your church is like our church family. You know, our church. Because it's Jesus' church. It's his church. He's the one that established it. You know, so every, you know, some people say, well, you know, my church or our church or whatever. It's Jesus' church. It's our church family. So we get to be a part of this family. We get to be a part of this community. And hopefully we're, we're doing our part, right? We're, we're willing to do what our responsibility is. Because in a family, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I, I'm not one of those. And I know, I know times are different. But I'm one of those, hey, if my kid is staying at my house, I don't care how old they are. I say, listen, if you don't mind, take that trash out. You know, they're going to have a part, a responsibility. Some of your parents may agree with that. Some of your kids are going like, what? But they've got to have a part. Hey, dude, if you don't mind, make your bed up. You know what I'm saying? Hey, if you don't mind, can you clean that, that toilet in there? Hey, can you help with a few things right here? In other words, they, if they're going to be a part of the family, they've got to have a part, right? And, and if they're visiting for the weekend, I might let that slide. I'm just saying. But if they're not, they're going to say, hey, I'm going to say, hey, listen, hey, you've got a part in this. And so we've got to be willing to say, all right, I love the church because Jesus loved the church. It's his church. I'm a part of that church if you put your faith in Christ. And so let, let's look at this this is in matthew the first place we see the church is mentioned in matthew chapter 16 and so jesus comes to a, an area it's called uh, caesarea philippi and this is kind of a really rough area i'm talking about like child worship and all kinds of stuff takes place there it's a very corrupt city some people say man i would never go there but jesus went where the broken were at right jesus went after sinners and there's a lot of people that have that mentality, like, you know, you know I don't think we necessarily should be going after uh, kind of the frozen chosen mentality. I don't think we need to be going after, you know, all these people. We just need to be the church. And I get, hey, I, we are supposed to be the church. As we're going and doing life, we're reaching people. We're sharing the gospel with them. And here, here's the other thing. We invite them to come back. We invite them to come back. So when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? 
Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah are, the, are one of the other prophets. And so they're saying, hey, this is what some people are saying. And so Jesus kind of personalized it. He goes, then he asked him, he goes, but who do you say I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter was always the first to speak, it seems like. He just, it just had to come out, you know what I'm saying? But he was a leader. And I know a lot of people give Peter a hard time. He, I know he let Jesus down. You know, I know he, you know, denied him. I know all that. But the thing is, is at least Peter would try. I'd rather see, you know, I tell people all the time, I'd rather have to guide a horse than have to kick a horse to get it going. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather see somebody that's willing to do something rather than do nothing. You know, and so at least Peter is willing to step out there. So he puts it on the line. But here's the thing. He hits a home run right here. He hits a home run right here. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. What, a, what an awesome statement. And look at what Jesus said. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. He says, now I say to, say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, some people would read that and think, oh, he's built it on Peter. But if you go a couple of verses down, like in 22 and 23, it's not built on Peter. It's built on the, the proclamation that Peter made that you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. You are the way, the truth, and the life. So the, the church is built on the proclamation that he made, not built on Peter. You go down a couple of verses and he, Jesus say, hey, listen, Satan, get behind me, talking to Peter. So it's not built on a man. And no church is built on a man. It's built on the, the person of Jesus Christ the son of the son of God, the son of the living God. And so whenever we go, you know what? Our, the church is built on the proclamation of Jesus being the Messiah, the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, that's what the church is built. Those who go, you know what? Jesus is the son of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And man, I surrender my life to him. That's how the church is built. That's how all of us can say I'm a part of the body of Christ. And so it's not built on Peter, this man. It's built on that proclamation. And this is God's plan, both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news. This is in Ephesians. Believe the good news, share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. So here, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he said, hey, listen, it's not just God's chosen people. It's not just the Jewish people. It's the Gentiles. And for all of us in this room, we go, thank God he opened it up for us as well. Thank you, Father, for letting us in, letting us be a part of that. And how do we get to be a part of that church? By the proclamation of Jesus is who he says he is. And he is the son of God. He is the one that would go to the cross and bleed out for me and bleed out for you. And his precious blood would wash us white as snow. And so that's God's plan. That's God's plan. You know, and so we, we, get to, and we get to be a part of that. We're inherited that. So both are part of the same body. And both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to who? Christ Jesus. Not to Peter. They belong to Christ Jesus. And we go, you know what? Man, we're a part of the body of Christ because of what Jesus did on the cross and my faith in him. And you might say, well, Mike, how much faith does that take? All that you got. And you go, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm releasing everything. I'm letting go of everything. And Jesus, you are what matters. And some of us would go, but Mike, you know, the church, you know, I've been, I've been asking people for three weeks to bring their one, right? Bring them. You know, bring them here. Go after them. Go share with them. And some of you guys are going, man, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And you get out of here and go, I don't know. I don't know about that. You know, and, and I would just say that that's what we're called to do. And I know some of you guys are already thinking, Mike, you know, you just don't understand. I got friends that if I were to invite them to church, they'd go, man, I don't go to church. That's full of hypocrites. 
And I, and I would say, hey, man, you know what? I agree 100%. And I think you would fit in perfectly because they are probably a hypocrite as well, right? There's nobody that does everything that they say they're going to do. Nobody. And so it is a bunch of hypocrites. I agree with that. But we got to be able to say, listen, man, I want to invite you to come be a part of it. But you know what? Hey, and it is full of hypocrites. But the cool thing is God is changing lives there. God is saving souls there. God is setting captives free there. God is bringing healing there. And man, it is, it is a messed up place. I mean, y'all just look around at who's beside you. I mean, look around at the people in here. They're a little bit messed up, right? I mean, look around. I know some of y'all are going, I ain't looking at that guy on the side of me. I'm not looking at that one over there. But just look at him and go, hey, how you doing? Hey, what's up? They're messed up, aren't they? I mean, just go ahead and be honest. But they're thinking the same thing about you. I mean, they are. They're thinking, dude, that guy's here. Whoo, boy, he really needs some Jesus a bit. But I'm just saying that's how messed up the church is. But, hey, that's God's plan. God would work through. I mean, it blows my mind. But God says, hey, I'm going to work through broken people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work through the, the church, those who surrender their life to Christ and those who belong to who? Jesus. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head of, over all things for the benefit of who? I couldn't hear you. Yes. So here's the cool thing. We benefit from being together. We benefit from what Jesus did. We benefit from the fact that we receive salvation. I, I confess my sins, and here's the thing, when I confess my sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive me of all unrighteousness. So he offers me forgiveness. I confess my sins, he gives me forgiveness. I, I surrender my broken life, he gives me eternal life. It's a pretty doggone good exchange, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's a good deal. And so whenever we do that, we go, you know what, man, it's for the benefit of the church. And here's the thing, whenever we use our spiritual gifts, it is for the benefit of the church because it builds up the body of Christ. It builds us up. So for everybody that's in here that's put their faith in Christ, everybody that's watching online, you know, here's the thing. God has done all this for the benefit of the church, but the church is also the messenger and the method by which he will take that message to the world. And so we've got to be on mission, and we've got to be willing to say, God, I want to be, I want to be a part of this. Ephesians 1, through 23, here's the second verse. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by who? By Christ, Right who fills all things everywhere with himself. So God has placed his, his presence within us as a church. So when we go through life and we go into work or school or wherever we go, if we're a believer, if we're truly following him, if we truly love him, then here's the thing. We have a power at work within us, like I talked about last week, that it's like dynamite. And man, that power is at work and it's opening doors you can't open. It's closing doors you don't need to go through. And man, putting words in your mouth that you don't even know. It's reminding you of things that you thought you had forgot so that you might be able to share the gospel, the good things of God with someone. Ephesians 3, 10 through 11 says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So you look around, there's a lot of diversity in here. That's a good thing, right? So in all the variety that we see, God, look at it again, God's purpose in all this was to use the, the church. It's not a building. It's the people to use the church to take this message called the gospel to all places. And here's the thing. There's some of you that can reach people that I can't reach. You'll connect with people that I can't connect with. I mean, they, they may look at me and go, man, I don't even want anything to do with that guy. But they may look at you and go, hey, man, I can hang out with him. And so God uses that variety to reach all kinds of people and to make a difference literally in the heavenly places. It says this was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. So here's God's plan over and over and over again, right? We see that. So I love this. Jesus loves community. He loves community. 
You know, and so he wants us to come together. We're told in the scriptures, hey, don't forsake the, the assembling of yourselves, but all the more as the day of Christ approaches, we're to come together to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to pray for one another, to minister to one another. And so we're called to do that. We're told to do that. And so this past weekend, our elder team, we, we got together and we spent the weekend uh, together praying. We had an incredible time of worship. We had an incredible time of prayer. We had an incredible time of just really studying the scriptures and kind of talking and challenging one another. And kind of a, an, as, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We had an incredible time of doing that. We ate good food. We had incredible fellowship. And what we did is we enjoyed community. Jesus loves community, so therefore we should love community. And, and so let's look. It's at this. This is John, uh, this is John thirteen one. This is Jesus talking about you know. This is Jesus with his disciples and his disciples. He had, he had the twelve disciples that he spent life with, right? He spent time with. He did everything with him. He ate with them. He he did everything with them. He fished with them. He did all kinds of stuff. So before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. So Jesus knows he got you know what? Hey, it's time. He knew he was going to the cross for everybody. He was going for everybody. But man, he sure did love spending some time with his guys. And he said he, he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. And so in that, that, just those two verses right there, you see this, this beautiful picture that Jesus is, you know, he knows, you know what, it's time to go to the cross. And he gathers them around. He spends time with them. And he does something pretty powerful. He literally, he, they're all sitting around. He gets up and he takes off his, his outer garment and he uh, takes a towel and he goes around. And he begins to wash their feet. He begins to serve them because he loved them. See, we, we serve because we love people. We serve because we love Jesus. And so he literally, he, he gets down, he begins to wash the dirt off their feet. And Peter, of course, says something else. You know, he always does. And Peter goes, you're not washing my feet. He goes, if I don't wash you, you're not a part of me. And he goes, well, don't just wash my feet, wash all of me. He goes, you're, you're misunderstanding what's going on here. And then Jesus, after he gets through washing their feet, they're humbled. And if you've ever washed someone's feet, it's a humbling thing. But the most humbled person is the person having their feet washed. And so if you've never experienced that, I would encourage you to, to wash someone's feet or have, you know, or maybe someone, you know, just experience that in a service where someone washes your feet. It's powerful, very humbling. And so they're sitting around and Jesus says, you know, do you guys understand what has happened? And he kind of explains to me, he says, here's the thing. You call me teacher and Lord, and that is so. He said, but if you're going to be, if I'm going to be that in your life, here's the thing, you got to go do what I do. And he's telling, hey, listen, if, if, if I'm going to get down and serve, then you got to be willing to serve. And they get it. And they go, okay, I get it. I've got to use my gifts and my abilities. I've got to be willing to serve people. Because if we call Jesus Lord like they did, he's our teacher, he's our Lord, he's our Savior, then we do what he did and he served. And so it's a beautiful thing. And then we drop down. A little bit further down in, a, in the same chapter, it says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. There it is again, love, right? Man, love people. Don't hate people. I guarantee you there's some of you in this room that right now you, you know of someone that you hate. It could be your mom, your dad, brother, sister. It could be somebody that, you know, has wounded you, hurt you, and you hate them. It says, now I'm giving you a new commandment. That doesn't sound like an option, does it? Does it sound like an option? No, it's not. I'm giving you a new commandment. Hey, I'm commanding you to do something to love each other. And so to love each other just as I have loved you, and you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. All right, so if Jesus said, hey, listen, my plan is through the church, 
And I want you to literally be my witnesses. I want you to go out and I want you to make a difference. I want you to go out and be, you know, an example. And here's the thing is, it's how you love each other. The world's going to go, you know what, there's something different about them. There's something different about them. And man, you know, maybe there's something supernatural about them. Maybe there's something that is divine about them. And what it is, it's the love of God that man cannot be denied and they can't deny it either. And they go, you know what, man, they truly are disciples of Christ. And so Jesus loved community. And then we see this in Acts 2, 42 through 47. Many guys have read this before about the, the early church. And it says all the believers, they form a community. These, you know, and let me tell you what cool, you know, this is the church, you know, is birthed, you know, there uh, with Jesus in Matthew chapter 16. But here at the beginning of Acts, we see Peter, you know, preaching. You know, the Holy Spirit shows up, man, and literally there are three. There was about 120 people at that point. But, man, all of a sudden there's this incredible power called the Holy Spirit, this dynamite power that shows up. Peter preaches and 3,000 people were added to the number of the church that day. It exploded, right? That's the, that's the way it's designed to work. You know, and so all of a sudden, man, you know, everybody's just blown away at, at God showing up. And this church explodes and says the believers form a community. So Jesus loves community. So all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, they, they, were, they were devoted to the Word of God. They were devoted to the teaching, this, this, this new teaching called the way, which was Jesus uh, laid out as the, as, the, as the gospel. And to fellowship. You know, I talked about having fellowship with our elders. Fellowship is spending time together, doing life together. And some of you guys go, man, that, that sure would be nice. Well, you got to be willing to put yourself out there. You got to be willing to take a chance. You got to be willing to go to a life group. You got to be willing to say, hey, listen, I'm going to let down these walls and these barriers, and I'm going to, you know, kind of get over myself for just a minute, and I'm just going to put it out there. And you go, but every time I do, I get hurt. Well, keep doing it. You know, as, you know, you fall down, you keep walking, you keep trying to step, you keep moving. You know, say, you know, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to do my part. And so we've got to be willing to do that. Fellowship and the sharing in meals. Man, I, I love, we broke bread. We ate good this weekend. It was really good. You know, more than I probably should have eaten. I feel like I need to confess gluttony maybe this morning. I don't know, man. It was good. But including the Lord's Supper, and we're going to do that at the end. We're going to share in communion here today. If you're watching online, you can kind of get your uh, elements together. And whatever you got, if you got crackers, bread, whatever you use, whatever, just to represent. And to prayer. There's prayer again, right? So, you know, what about prayer? Do you commit yourself to prayer we need people to pray over us this morning. Just a lot of things going on, a lot of moving ele elements this morning. And got back there and we were able to gather up and circle up in prayer. And it was just one of those moments where you go, and prayed. There's something peaceful about that. And some of you guys need peace in your life. Meet with the Father. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And you know, God's still working miracles. Man, we're praying for those daily. We're praying. You know, I don't know if y'all realize this, and I pray for all kinds of miracles, but the one miracle that I love to see is the, is the miracle of someone going from death unto life. Man, they receive eternal life. And any time, every time that someone puts their faith in Christ, that they receive the gift of salvation, and they, they, they literally proclaim exactly what Peter did, there's a miracle that takes place. A dead man becomes alive. And man, he has eternal life that will never leave him. I love that. And so they had, had all kinds of signs and, and wonders. And it says, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. That's a miracle, isn't it? That people would share. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we have hoarders here in America. We go buy more and more storage so that we can, we can hoard more, right? That's what we do. But what if somebody had a need? What if we say, man, I'm not using it. You can use it. I'm not using it. You can have it. You know, that's a miracle right there. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. 
Another miracle, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's miracles taking place all over the place here. You know, and in this day and age, we just don't have that mentality. We're going, man, <laughs> that sounds awesome, but I'm not going there. I'm not going to do that. I like what I got, you know. That's kind of our mentality. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. They were doing life together. And I love this last part. It says, all the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. See, they, they were representing well. They, they were showing love to the people around them. And the world said, man, I want some of that. They were showing acceptance. They were showing forgiveness. They were, they were not living a life of greed. They were living a life of surrender. And everybody was like, man, I want some of that. So the way, to, uh, the way we do community here at Journey Church is we do it through life groups. You know, and, uh, and we talk about this all the time. I beg you guys. I mean, like Paul, I beseech you. I beg you. I try to get you to get in a life group. And, and a lot of times people go, oh, I'm going to do that. And we'll even, you'll even sign up and just not show up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I've, I've got all kinds of people that sign up, never show up. You know, and you go, hey, I, so maybe this time you'll sign up and you'll actually show up. I promise you there's a difference. Signing up doesn't get you a whole lot of community, but it is a step in the right direction. So I will say that. And if, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing a life group rally, and we want you to sign up. We want you to be a part of a life group. But that's how we do community here at Journey. And so get involved in a life group. If you're thinking, hey, this is community because I come in here and I sit in a chair and I, I wave at a couple people, I shake their hands, they good morning. I'm telling you, that's not community. You know, that's an acquaintance, right? That's an acquaintance. It is the church, I will say that, but it's not the intimacy that God desires for us to experience. And so we value relationships here at Journey Church. This is one of our values. What we do, we do together. It takes all of us. Let me just say that. It takes all of us. In just a couple of weeks, we're going to be moving to three services. And uh, I'll hit you guys with the times whenever we have nailed that down. But we're moving, and we're trying to work some of that out in detail. And I'll just tell you this. One of the main things that we need is we need people to, uh, that are believers that are part of the church to say, hey, man, this is where I'll serve, and this is the one I'll attend. And, and we need you to be willing to say, hey, listen, I have spiritual gifts. I want to I use those to help build up the body of Christ, and I want to help our church go to three services so we can reach as many people as possible because that is the plan of Christ, right? And so we got to be able to say, God, show me where I can serve. Show me how I can serve. And God, help me to get outside of myself and die to some things so that the church will flourish and it's not about me. And so here's the thing. It's going to take all of us. All of us got to get together on this. It's going to take the whole church being willing to be on mission for us to reach as many people as possible with the gospel. And that means going to multiple services, then we do that. But it's, 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 I'll just tell you, it's going, to, it's going to get into your comfort zone a little bit. You've got to say, hey, where am I going to serve? And where am I, which service am I going to attend? Because I want you to worship one. I want you to worship. I want you to soak it up. I want you to absorb it. And then I want you to serve and literally help somebody else be able to do what you got to experience. And so that's why we do that. Disciples are made via relationships. And so we talk about in our purpose statement, our mission statement, why we exist. We, we exist to reach the unchurched, the unsaved. But we also want to see people become faithful followers of Christ in every area of their life, right? And so we do that, and here's the thing, through discipleship. So Jesus had disciples. He poured his life into their life. And here's the thing, that's why you guys are sitting here if you can't figure that out. He passed the baton to them. 
and they handed it off to the early church, and the early church has handed it off and handed it off and handed it off, and you're sitting here because of what Jesus handed off to the, to the disciples. And here's what I would say. It's your turn. It's my turn. It's our turn to make a difference in our community. And here's the thing. Hopefully, we will do a good job, and we will hand it off to the next generation, and they will take it to the next generation, and the next generation until Jesus comes back. That is our job. And so we got to be willing to say, God, help me to be willing to make disciples. That that's, that's, in my, that's in my mind, it's in my heart, and it's in my DNA. That's got, I've got to because that's who Jesus is, and that's what he did. And so I'm going to do what he loved, and I'm going to do what he did. And we've got to be able to say, God, help me to be that type of person. And so life groups, you know, that's where discipleship takes place here. And, and we even do it outside of that in one-on-ones and, and uh, two-on-ones and things like that. We'll do that. But you've got to be willing to get there. You've got to be willing to sign up. You've got to be willing to, and like tonight, I know Jeremiah is doing life group training tonight. And there are some of you that have been praying about it and thinking about it. And sometimes you need to stop thinking about it and praying about it and do what God's already revealed to do. And so he's training life group leaders tonight. So you can see him after the service and say, hey, listen, man, I feel like God told me I need to be a life group leader. And, you, and, and if you don't even know what that looks like, then come in there and learn tonight. And if you don't do it this semester, maybe you will the next. But you got to do it at some point. Because that's what we say at Journey Church is the lifeblood of this church. To life group to where, where our life in Christ grows and flourishes. If we really believe that, we ought to be a part of one. And we got to say, you know what, I'm going. So you're going to life group training tonight. And if you're not, not going to be leading one, you're going to be in one. And so those are vital. So here's the question from the last couple of weeks. Who's your one? Who's your one? Now I want you to write it down. They may be sitting beside you. Then don't write their name. Write somebody else's, all right? Uh, but write down their name. And I want you to begin to pray for them. Who's your one? Who's your one? And I, I want to throw a second question out there. Who's your one that you will disciple? See, a lot of times we're cool with uh, inviting somebody to church. But Jesus said to go and make disciples. So we've got to be willing to ask, God, who's the one that I can reach? And who's the one that I will disciple, that I'll pour my life into? That I'll teach them what I've been taught. That I'll show them what I've been shown. And I'll be there for them. To teach them, to mentor them, to walk with them, to pray with them, to weep with them. Who are you disciple? It's not about you just getting it. It's about you getting it and giving it to someone else. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. In just a few minutes we'll share in communion. But I want you just to ask, you know, God, who is that one that I need to share my faith with this week, that I need to invite to church? Who is that one that I need to pour my life into? And maybe you're sitting here today, maybe you're watching online, you go, Mike, I need Jesus first. I need a relationship with Christ. And so if you would, I, I want to walk you through a simple prayer. And it's kind of doing what Peter did. It's saying, Jesus, I believe you are the one. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And I believe that with all the faith that I have. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm asking you to forgive me. Your word says that you will forgive me. So, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me for I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And Jesus, I'm asking you to teach me how to live for you. Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you forgive me? Will you lead me? 
will you use me? I surrender all. If that's your prayer, if you just prayed that prayer online, if you don't mind, text us. If you're sitting here in the room and you prayed that prayer to receive Christ, just raise your hand so I can see you. Because I love to celebrate it. Say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer to receive Christ. I just asked Jesus to come into my life. Anybody? Anybody? If you prayed that prayer, and man, that's tough to raise your hand, there's going to be a prayer team here at the front. You can come down and pray with them. There's going to be a VIP room back here in the back. You can walk back there, and somebody will pray with you, and they'll help you take the next steps. Next, you know, next weekend, we got a baptism uh, before we start our pool party. So maybe you need to follow Christ in believers' baptism. Maybe you need to get involved in a life group. Maybe you need to show up tonight for, uh, for leadership training for life groups. I don't know what God has spoke to you about, but I trust Him to work in you. In just a few minutes, we'll share in communion. But at this time, prepare your hearts for communion. Don't even approach these tables unless your heart is ready and right. Father, I pray that you would just uh, continue to move in this room. God, in the hearts of those that are watching online. God, we give you all, all praise and all glory. And Father, we, just, we give you this time to do what only you can do. May your Holy Spirit show up and work in our hearts. Do the spiritual surgery that needs to be done. We trust you with everything. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would stand, you respond as the Holy Spirit leads. Worship team's going to lead us.